As you've probably heard by now, we've teamed up with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code THEATHLETIC. Make your first deposit of at least $10, place your first bet on any game, and claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. See BetMGM.com for terms. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Mississippi, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Available in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. First bet offer for new customers only in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager. This is The Athletic Football Show. Welcome to Prospects to Pros, the podcast that talks about the guys that are in the NFL that just got drafted, the guys that are about to get drafted in the NFL, and everything in between. And this is a big day for us, huge day. Well, for one of us, me, I'm just, I'm just window dressing at this point. I'm Andy Staples, joined by Dane Brugler, the athletics draft guru. And Dane, you put out a mock draft today. This is a big, big, big day. Mock draft 1.0, yeah, I, you know, it's the first one of the year, um, first one uh, of this process, and you know we don't even know the exact order yet. We don't know, uh, you know, which underclassmen are going to be in this. We had a big announcement this week: Olu Fashanu, the the Penn State mm-hmm. left tackle, who uh, was originally in my mock draft. As I mapped this out over the weekend, he was a top five pick. He was going to be going very early, um, and then on Monday he decided. Uh, and, and I was told last week that it was about 50-50, like, you know, his his parents are big on education. He's only 19 years old. Uh, there were a lot of things pulling him back to Penn State. Uh, he was uh, very, very surprised at all the NFL attention that he started to receive in September and October. And so I think this all caught him off guard. And that actually he's just sounds like Justin going Herbert back. as a junior. Justin right, Herbert exactly. Was, right. was stunned by, he's like, wait, wait, me? <laughs> and and ended up going back and it all worked out fine for him. Yeah, and you you know you hope the same things for for Olu who you know is a lot of you know you get a lot of people saying oh he's passing up all this money and uh, you know what money's not the motivating factor for everybody and for 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 Olu hopefully you know he's gonna probably take out a big insurance policy probably get some nil money in the process um, you know we'll be talking about him uh, in the twenty twenty four class but for uh, going back to my original point about we don't even know the underclassmen that are going to be in this. Um, but this is a very underclassman heavy first mm-hmm. round uh, with this first edition of the mock. So um, you know it's gonna be it's gonna be interesting. I think the biggest the biggest challenge for this mock for me was okay, where do the quarterbacks go and where do the wide receivers go? Because the quarterbacks and wide receivers, there's a lot of split opinions around the league. Um, and, and just a reminder too, the mock draft, no one. This isn't about what I think teams should do or you know what they. This is more about what I'm hearing. What yeah, what do, you, what do you think they're going are, to do? 
Right. And, and looking at trends, looking, okay, well, this is the type of general manager who prioritizes this position here or, you know, that type of thing. So, uh, it, yeah, it's all based on what we think they will probably do or might do. All right. So we'll start at the top. The, the Texans, while most of the draft order is still in flux, we can be fairly certain the Texans will have the number one pick. Yeah. They need a quarterback. You have them taking Bryce Young from Alabama, and I commend you for choosing the guy who's best at football over the guy who's best at traits. Because it drives me nuts when teams go traits over simply being good at football. And you've mentioned on this show multiple times, Bryce Young is an outlier. We have not seen but two other sub-six-foot, sub-200-pound quarterbacks get drafted, and neither of them were drafted very high. You are you are putting this one at one one. Why is that? Well, and it's interesting with Nick Casario, okay, the general manager of the Texans. He's been in the NFL in an NFL front office with an NFL franchise uh, since uh, 2001, so a long time. He's never been with an organization that drafted a quarterback in the top 50 picks. Now a big chunk of that is because he's with the Patriots and they had Tom right. Brady for all those years. But my point being, we don't really have a frame of reference uh, of, you know, what Nick Casario is, you know, really sp specifically going to be looking at at the quarterback position if we're talking about a top five pick, a number one overall pick. So, you know, we don't really have anything to go on. This is a it's a it's a mystery how he's going to attack the quarterback position. For all we know, you know, he might look at, uh, you know, bulking up the roster and going with a, a non-quarterback here and then, uh, you know, a, uh, uh, targeting a quarterback in the 2024 20, class. And so uh, there's a lot of unknown with the Texans, but we do know they need an upgrade at quarterback. And if, if they believe, if they can look past the size with Bryce Young, I, I think he should be the pick there uh, first overall. Well, they also have Cleveland's pick from the Deshaun Watson trade, so it might be that they get a quarterback right. with that one too. If if they're if they're in love with Will Anderson or Jalen Carter, you could see them doing that, and then if there's and then going, you know what? If somebody falls to us, great. Otherwise, right. we move on to, to 2024. That makes sense. I you know does my heart good to see the next two because somebody's mm -hmm. not reaching for a quarterback that they shouldn't be reaching for. Uh, you, you've got Will Anderson. The edge from Alabama going to the Bears. You got Jalen Carter, the multi-talented, multi-tool defensive tackle from Georgia, going to the Lions. The idea of Jalen Carter and Aiden Hutchinson on the same defensive line is terrifying. Yeah, well, and throw a Lee McNeil in there, the former NC State defensive tackle, yeah. who's been uh, a really nice player for them. Um, yeah, that that I mean, it, it just fits exactly what the Lions are trying to build up front and. Uh, you know, just same thing with the Texans mentioning how they have a pick in, in uh, a little bit later with the Browns pick the Lions this is the Rams pick at number three mm -hmm. overall which you know it's crazy how we were talking going back to the uh, you know Stafford trade and how oh well those first round picks they traded they're all going to be late first round picks this is the third overall pick right now and Stafford might never not yeah, I was gonna say, again, no, no, uh, no one saw Bryce Perkins starting down the stretch right. for, the, for the Rams so, so yeah, this, this is, third pick could actually, it might be the second pick by the time it's all said and done, if the Bears win a few more games. So, uh, and, and then the Lions pick uh, right now is at 13. So they're in a position where they don't have to reach for a quarterback if they don't want to. Uh, they can go with truly the best player on their board, which could be, uh, you know, one of these two defensive linemen. And then with the Bears... Right now, picking number two, I, I know some of these losses are, are tough to swallow, but you know what? Justin Fields is progressing. 
mm-hmm. and you're getting a higher draft pick. Like for the long term, this is a this is a positive uh, outcome for them. So uh, Will Anderson, you know, he's the type of guy that could be a cornerstone player. Uh, here, a trivia question for you: um, Alabama players, first two first two uh, off the board in this uh, in this draft. When's the last time the same program? had the number one and number two overall selections in the draft. It was sometime in the last 25 years. So fairly recent, uh, but oh, gosh, you know, I, I definitely this. definitely some guys you've heard of. So you got to go back a little bit, but not too far. Let's see. Was it USC? Is that the school? It was not. Big 10 team. Big 10 team. Okay. Yeah. Oh, so would it be Michigan? No. No, because the... Two, two defensive players. Oh, two defensive players. Okay, because Michigan had Jake Long, yeah. but they, they didn't have anybody else who got drafted mm-hmm. that high. Right. Um, okay, Big Ten, two defensive players, one, two. Oh, gosh, why am I having such a hard time with this? Because, you know, you're, you're assuming it's Ohio State or Penn State or Michigan, but it's not It's not, it's not any of those? No, it's, uh, it's one of the ones you mentioned. It's Okay, it's Ohio State. And no, no, nope. no, it's not. It's it's Michigan. Nope. No, no. Okay, so it's yeah. Penn State. It, it is Penn State. Okay, who is number one overall from Penn State? Two last twenty five years. Lavar Arrington. Yep. Courtney Brown went one. That was. And Lavar Arrington. And Lavar Arrington went two. Yep. Exactly. I, I mean, yep. that's Okay. So it, it's you know uh, obviously they are the Browns that didn't quite work out for them but Lavar Arrington was a pretty good player. Uh, but yeah, it, it has, it doesn't happen often. Uh, you know, it's been, no. you know, 20 years, uh, last time it happened. So it's, it's got a realistic shot of happening again this year. Well, and, and the thing is like, if you look at your mock as, as a college football reporter, now we don't know exactly what's going to happen with the playoff. Alabama's kind of Rasputin as these things go. Like until I see a, a top four right. without the minute, I'm not going to believe it, but if they have the, the top two draft picks, you also have Brian Branch going in, in the middle of the first round. Uh, Drew Sanders going later in the first round, who doesn't play for Alabama anymore, but was on their roster until he transferred to Arkansas. And then and then Jameer Gibbs as the final pick of the first round. Like, that's it, it, this disappointing. Not Maybe not as disappointing as, as Clemson, like, mm. which had a much easier schedule and is not going to make the playoff. They just lost to South Carolina. But you've got one, let's see, two, three. Yeah, three Clemson defenders in the first round. Yeah. Holy cow. Yeah, that's uh, – and, you know, it's – a lot of times it comes back to the quarterback, right? And, you know, just yeah. not getting con- the consistency you need. And, uh, you know, it's uh, kind of crazy to see how things played out down the stretch for, for South Carolina specifically, but then also for Clemson. Um, but yeah, I mean, Clemson's well-represented, Alabama's well-represented, um, you know, Ohio State, who obviously did not have a good weekend, uh, they're well-represented. So, you know, a, a lot of the, uh, you know, usual suspects when you talk about uh, the programs that are producing the most talent. But, you know, you also have, uh, you know, a, 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 a Big Ten offensive player mixed in, which, you know, we don't uh, see uh, We don't see that very often. often. But yeah. Uh, a couple well, of you know, Ohio players. State quarterbacks have... Ohio State's had some quarterbacks drafted in the first round, so yeah. that's it's not that unusual. But uh, I guess the the two winners of the transfer portal, well, three because we mentioned Drew Sanders already. 
But Christian Gonzalez, the, the corner from yeah. Oregon who was at Colorado. Colorado must have had the greatest secondary in the world for a terrible team last year. Mackay had Blackman. a few good players. That, yeah. Yeah. Not yep. USC, and, and, probably going to get drafted. Yep. And then, and then Jared Verse. And Florida State, you know, Mike Norvell just needs to hang a sign like, do you want to be a first-round edge rusher? Come come transfer to us. <laughs> we, we've yeah. turned into a factory. Jared Verse, yeah, you got that. going number 15 to Atlanta. Yeah, a pretty good, uh, you know, uh, selling uh, point if you're trying to bring in some transfers. Uh, you know, versus uh, for a guy that was even hurt and banged up for a lot of the year, I mean, he's still at the, atop the ACC in tackles for a loss with 14 and a half. Uh, his ability to deconstruct blocks is really impressive. Um, it's not just speed. It's not just power. It's, uh, you know, he, he can do it in a lot of ways. And so um, that ability to uh, create pressure off the edge that's what the Falcons need. Um, and right now they're, they're picking right in the middle of the first round. Um, so, you know, out of the Will Anderson territory, you know, I'm not going to get Miles Murphy, but uh, right there in the middle, I mean, Jared Verse, I, I think that's maybe a little bit higher than some people think he's going to go, but, you know, he's a pass rusher, he's productive, and he has traits that will translate. So uh, Jared Verse, uh, I, I think makes sense for them in the middle of the first. Now, normally I'm a production over traits guy, but there's there's an excuse for this guy I'm going to bring up. And, and- so you you've actually got two tight ends in the in the first round. You've got Michael Mayer yeah. going to Cincinnati, which Michael Mayer and Joe Burrow together feels like a great combination. But you have Darnell Washington going to Tennessee to to be under Austin Hooper's wing uh, with the Titans and and just deliver crushing blocks for for Derrick Henry. Darnell Washington, for those who don't know, is a six seven, two hundred sixty five pound tight end at Georgia who has like one percent body fat. He is a a freak of nature, but his production, especially his receiving production, is not what you expect from a first-round tight end because there's a guy named Brock Bowers who exists, and you will hear all about him in the 2024 draft. And Darnell Washington is so, he's just so unique because he's, I mean, he's probably closer to 275 now. I mean, he's, and and he's the leanest 275 you've ever seen. So it's just we haven't really seen a guy like this before at the tight end position, a a dominant blocker. I mean, you think about what the Tennessee Titans want to be, their offensive identity. Darnell Washington fits yeah. perfectly um, because of those blocking skills, but also because he's an ascending pass catcher. Uh, you know, he's getting better in that area. And, you know, when he's targeted, uh, you know, good things usually happen. So uh, Darnell Washington, I, I think, you know, it's, you know, I remember it was the last, last show or two shows ago we talked about, you know, when's the last first round tight end that has really lived up to it? Um, this is, I, I just, I, I have two tight ends in this, in this uh, uh, mock, like you mentioned with Mayer and Washington. And I really wanted to get Tucker Craft in there out of South Dakota State, who's yeah. you know, one of my uh, favorite players in this draft. It just didn't work out and I wasn't going to force it. Uh, but I mean, he's a top 50 player. And then there's also two seniors who I think belong in the top 50 with Luke Musgrave out of Oregon State and then Dalton Kincaid. Uh, at, at Utah. So this is a, like, it's not a top heavy tight end class where we're going to have a Kyle Pitts or, you know, a player that should go top 10, top 15. But in that 20 to 50 range, I'm probably going to have five tight ends that at least yeah. it, it, you know, for me are worthy of a spot in that range. So uh, this is a look shaping up to be a really, really good tight end class. And, you know, mayor to Cincinnati, I love that fit. It's, a, it's you know, first of all, it's a great story. He grew up a Bengals fan. Just growing up just south of Cincinnati and Kentucky. Joe Burrow's his favorite quarterback. His cousin 
uh, is a major league catcher that plays for the Reds. So, I mean, just a a ton of storylines. Yeah, love it. But uh, more than anything, you know, you think about 10 years ago, the Bengals drafted a a Notre Dame tight end in the first round and Tyler Eifert, uh, you know, and that that was good for stretches. Um, But, you know, I think Mayer with, you know, because we think of the Bengals and they're such, they're so reliant or they have been on the big play, you know, getting Jamar Chase down the field, getting these explosives. Michael Mayer just it adds another element to that offense where he can just feast over the middle of the field. Uh, you know, one of the best, one of the strongest contested catchers at the tight end position. I think, you know, we've seen the last few years. Just I, I think he adds another element uh, to that offense that they, they could really use right now. And you mentioned Dalton Kincaid. And if you want to get a good look at him, he'll be playing against USC in the wow. Pac-12 championship game on Friday night. He destroyed USC in the first meeting. It was maybe the most dominant game I've ever seen a tight end have from a receiving standpoint. He had, I think, 15 catches. It was over 200 receiving yards. It was There was nothing USC could do to stop them. So it'll be really interesting to see, can he do something like that again, or will the defense be focused? Because it was interesting. That was after Queethy got hurt, because yeah. Utah has another really good tight end who just got injured and knocked out for the rest of the season, who was actually their, their number one target at tight end going into the season. And then Kincaid came along, and, and now he's their number one target in general in the offense. So uh, th- this is going to be a chance for him to kind of show off and, and show what he can do. So let's talk about the quarterbacks again. We talked about Bryce Young. You have C.J. Stroud going five to Carolina, and and probably the most controversial person in the QB class and the upper reaches of it and the ones where, where we're talking about first-rounders. You got Will Levis going to the Colts at number 14. I I just wonder with Will Levis this season, has it soured scouts on him or do they just feel like, okay, this particular new offensive coordinator, Rich Scangarello, who came from the 49ers, didn't click with him the way the coordinator last year, who's now with the Rams and is now the OC of the Rams, the way Liam Cohen connected with him last year. Right. And that's, you know, I keep coming back to this with quarterbacks. You have to separate the reasons from the excuses. And with Will Levis, you have to mention, uh, you know, the new play caller. You have to mention the the losses on the offensive line. You have to mention no Wandell Robinson. The offensive line is dramatically worse this yeah. year. Yeah. And, and, and I mean, that that's part of the conversation here. It's, it's not to totally excuse, you know, Levis from... Um, you know, just not being a more productive player, but it's it's part of the context here. Um, and so uh, do you wish you watched that Kentucky offense and you saw the quarterback elevate uh, the offense a little bit more? Yeah, you do. But uh, a, a shaky supporting cast, um, you know, the play calling is not doing him any favors. I mean, th- there is plenty of blame to go around. And so for teams that are, um, you know, going to bet on the traits, uh, which most of them will, that they're still going to look at Will Levitt and say, I can understand a path where he's going to be a productive pro and, you know, be a guy that can help us compete for the division and a spot in the playoffs. So you look at the Colts, uh, they, they've tried the veteran route. It has not worked. Um, you know, maybe, you know, who knows what's going to happen with the quarterback carousel this, uh, this off season, you know, has Aaron Rodgers become available? Um, you know, Derek right. Carr. I mean, who knows? It, there's a lot of unknowns at this point, but, uh, you know, they have not addressed the quarterback position early in the draft, uh, you know, since Andrew Luck. And, you know, it's it's just something that if if one of the quarterbacks is there, do they make a move? And Will Levis was available in this mock. And so, uh, you know, he's the pick. Uh, it's, 
it's not. I don't know if it's the best fit, in, in considering that the Colts really need someone that can step in uh, pretty soon and you know help them. But uh, you, you know, at least it's it's a swing, and if it ends up being a swing and a miss, then so be it. But uh, you know, we know that the ownership there is really going to be pushing for this this organization to draft a quarterback and at least take a swing. And Will Levis could be that guy. Well, and getting to to play with Ryan Kelly and Quentin Nelson and and getting to hand off to Jonathan Taylor. That's a pretty good way to ease a quarterback in. Now, yeah. it's not going to be that easy because you're, you're in that position, especially given where they are, you're probably going to be counting on him to start. Yeah, I and mean, that's exactly, that's what you want. And so, um, I mean, Will Levis, uh, for, yeah, he, he does need development, but he's an older quarterback. Um, and, you know, he this will be a second full year starting. I, you know, you kind of throw him into the fire, see what happens. Um, I The biggest thing with me with Will Levis is I want to see him play faster, be, uh, uh, you know, yeah. stay ahead of things instead of being reactionary. And so uh, will he be able to do that when things are only going to get faster in the NFL in terms of defenses and the way the game moves? You know, it's it's, it's hard to say. And, you know, like we don't even know who the head coach is going to be for the Colts next year. So, right. uh, you know, will, will Chris Ballard still be the GM? Um, you know, I, I think it's trending that way. We know the ownership's not going to change. Uh, and so right. that that's about all we know of the Colts at this point. Well, it seems and it seems like Ursay has has created, you know, a philosophical set that we understand. Like, mm. in fact, even bringing Jeff Saturday in as the interim coach tells us what what the philosophy he expects is. So I, I do think they're, they're going to want to rely on that offensive line and that running game. And then they want a quarterback who can complement that. So mm-hmm. uh, let's talk a little bit about CJ Stroud. I still have my, my worries about him in a dirty pocket and he's going to have a lot more dirty pockets in the NFL than he saw at Ohio state. But then in that Michigan game and look, they got dominated in the second half, but there are some throws that CJ Stroud makes where you're just like, Oh yeah. Not many other people can do that. Yeah. I mean, he's a smart rhythm passer. You know, when everything's on time, in structure, he uh, can execute at a very high level. When things fall apart and he's asked to make plays out of structure, that's where it just, it it does fall apart. And it's something that you worry about in the NFL because often, uh, you know, things don't go as as planned. And you have to be able to be a creator uh, and not just a passer. And that's where the concerns come in with CJ Stroud. That's why the league is really split. Again, you know, this mock draft is based off of what I'm hearing. And I'm talking to everybody that I know in the league, getting their opinions, uh, what they think. There are some that don't think CJ Stroud um, is going to be a top 10 pick. They think he's going to fall. They think, you know, he's, he's going to, you know, Justin Fields fell out of the top 10. Um, you know, Dwayne Haskins fell out of the top 10. Could CJ Stroud be the next Ohio State quarterback to follow the top 10? It's certainly possible because he does not have a consensus rating in the NFL um, among scouts and evaluators. So, uh, but again, with that said, there are some that still believe that he'll be a top five, top seven pick um, because of the, the, the positives to his game. The fact that he is uh, yeah. a, a very smart player, the way he can, you know, pre-snap and post-snap, understand what the defense is doing and make the right read. Um, and again, as long as everything's on time, I, I think that he can make it at the next level as uh, being a, su- a successful starter. It's just, you know, can he find that rhythm when things fall apart? That, that's that's the question mark with him. And, and again, same thing. We The conversation we had with the Colts, it's a similar conversation here with the Panthers, where we don't know who the head coach is going to be next year. Right. Uh, you know, we we know, uh, you know, that it just feels like the, the, the Panthers are... It, it, 
they're they're without a compass right now. You know, like what's what's the direction they want right. to? They're, they're headed. What, well, what, at, least, I, at least with the Colts, I can tell what Ursa right. wants. Like right. I don't know what David Tepper wants. No, I don't think he knows what. I mean, I think he's still he's a, a new owner who's still trying to figure this out. It's it's a lot of the same. Uh, you know, issues that I think Haslam had when he, you know, bought the Browns. And it was like, they try all these different things and they didn't work. And it's same thing with Tepper now. Is he going to be trying, you know, what's the the new direction he's going to go in terms of uh, a head coach? Um, Is Scott Fritter going to still be the GM? Um, You know, so... What's what's the compass? Uh, you know, what what direction are they headed? So I, I I think there's a lot of question marks with the Panthers. But again, we do know that they need a quarterback. Uh, the future of this team is not on the roster right now uh, at that position. And right now they're slated to pick number five overall. And it you know who knows? Uh, you know they got to win over the weekend against uh, against the Broncos. Who knows? Maybe they win another game or two. Uh, so we'll see what this pick ends up being. But we do know quarterback is is going to be something they're going to look at in the offseason. Looking for an assist with your credit card, but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human and customer service at any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. And now, two pigeons bemoaning the fact you can stream DirecTV satellite-free. You see this? A family watching baseball on DirecTV with no satellite dish in sight. Let's heckle them. You call that changing the channel? Choke up on the remote, buddy. I hope getting all these games on DirecTV makes up for your mother not pre-chewing your sunflower seeds. DirecTV has the most MLB games. Visit DirecTV.com. Claim based on total games offered on national and regional sports networks with choice package or higher. Availability of RSNs varies by zip code and package. High-speed internet service required. Terms and restrictions apply. Selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real life store stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage, Shopify is there to help you grow. Whether you're selling scented soap or offering outdoor outfits, Shopify helps you sell everywhere. For their all-in-one e-commerce platform to their in-person POS system, wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify's got you covered. Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers with the internet's best converting checkout, 36% better on average compared to other leading commerce platforms, and sell more with less effort thanks to Shopify Magic. Shopify powers 10% of all e-commerce in the U.S., and Shopify is the global force behind Allbirds, Rothy's, and Brooklinen, and millions of other entrepreneurs of every size across 175 countries. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash maze, all lowercase. Go to shopify.com slash maze now to grow your business, no matter which stage you're in. Shopify.com slash maze. So, Dane, who is in this mock, which is a first-round mock, by the way, Mm -hmm. that if I'd have told you last year you'd have them in your mock 1.0, you'd have said, oh, God, no, absolutely not. Or who is that? Um, Lucas Van Ness, uh, the Iowa defensive lineman, uh, who's not even a a starter for the Hawkeyes, Um, redshirt sophomore. Um, You know, I, I, I mean... I guess I, I I heard the name last year, but I had yet to watch him, so I didn't know I didn't have any context for just how good he is, or you know even what uh, his play was all about. But 
This guy is a grizzly bear uh, playing out there on the defensive line. He's 6'5", 275, can play inside, can play outside. Uh, I've got him going number 17 to the Chargers, so a little bit higher than I think uh, most people would assume. But, you know, he gives them some position flex up front. Uh, if you want to ru- rush off the edge, you want him to, uh, you know, give you that interior disruption, I, I think just adds something else to that defensive line. Um, he would be definitely one. Uh, that I include in that mix. Yeah, that sounds like sounds like AJ Epinesa a little bit. I I think he's much more explosive, but I agree. Like I think he. But I mean, did, didn't didn't start for Iowa and right. Was, he was probably the best prospect. And... You, you think of the power that he has in his hands. I mean that that's what he brings. I the what it separates uh, Epinesa and Van Ness. I think is just there's a little more explosive twitch uh, with Van Ness, and that's and that's to me the difference between. You know, Epinesa being a second round pick and Lucas Van Ness possibly being a first round pick if he comes out and, uh, you know, decides to enter this draft. Um, So he would definitely be one. Um, Another one who has just been a guy that will not be denied. Uh, Devin Witherspoon, the corner at Illinois. Uh, The Illinois defense is my favorite uh, defense in college to watch. It's so much fun. Well, you. They're going to have a lot of draft picks. up for head coaching jobs. You may have a new favorite team soon. Yeah, no kidding. I mean, the way, I mean, he's, he's got dudes. And, and, but you know what? It goes back to Lovey Smith and some of the guys that he recruited there. Uh, so give him credit, yep. give credit to, uh, you know, Bielema and Walters and their staff for the way that they developed uh, these guys. Cause they've just gotten better each year. Quan Martin uh, is going to be a mid round draft pick. Sidney Brown chases uh twin brother uh, who had two picks over the weekend at a fumble recovery scoop and score. Uh, against Northwestern, he's uh, you know really making a, a move up. Uh, you know he's five eleven, probably gonna run a four six. So doesn't have you know necessarily the traits, the high end traits you look for. But Sidney Brown's just a good football player, and so uh, somewhere in day three, uh, he, he's gonna come off the board. But Devin Weatherspoon, watching him over the summer, you know there's a lot to like. Uh, but it just seems like he's taking his game to another level this year. Uh, his he, he's a dog. I mean he competes every single snap. He, he he takes it personally when a quarterback throws uh, his direction. It's like, really? You're, you're going to test me? Like, he, he seems to take <laughs> it personally. Uh, and, and you love to see that from your corners. At Witherspoon, he, he's got that that competitiveness, that tenacity. Uh, but he's also a smart player. He can anticipate routes. Um, you know, when the ball's in his area, he understands how to go make a play. Now, he will arrive a little quickly uh, at times. And I'm interested to see what uh, what he runs uh, at the combine. Uh, you know, because it's he's not going to be a four three guy. That's speed is not his game. He just can't be a four five guy. You know, if he runs a four four right. seven, great. You know, that's that's that, you know, I, I don't I don't think that will change from where I have him. Uh, but also his weight. You know, he's right around that uh, one eighty mark. So he's not a big player. So if he doesn't have high-end speed at a position that's a, a stopwatch position, and he doesn't have the necessarily the build that uh, teams are looking for, that could knock him out and, and you know make him a day-two pick. But towards the end of the first round, with several of these teams looking at corner, Witherspoon should at least be in that conversation because a lot of what he does, the strength of his game, NFL coaches are going to love. So um, I, I wanted to include him in this mock. Yeah, I, I am... I'm fascinated by the receivers because yeah. you, in in terms of how you set them up and where you had them going, I I agree completely with you. you you've got Quentin, Quentin Johnson going to Jacksonville, giving Trevor Lawrence a, a different kind of threat on the outside. Uh, and then you have Jordan Addison 
going to New England, which yeah. feels like a very good fit with Mac Jones. He, he feels like a receiver Mac Jones would have played with at Alabama. Yeah, no, that's a that's a good way to put it. And, you know, it's it's always tough with Belichick because, you know, he wants to draft defense or offensive line here. You know, like that that's his preference. But, I, you know, it just you think about what Jordan Addison could be for that offense, you know, the spark that it could provide. Um, you know, it's uh, Jacoby Myers is a free agent. Um, you know, there's a lot of question marks about what that wide receiver room is going to look like next year. Uh, and I, you know, I don't know how they feel about drafting a receiver in the first round after, you know, the Nikhil Harry, uh, experiment yeah. was, it did not go as planned. So there, there's, it's not a pick that I feel great about in terms of it coming to fruition, but I, I do think because of the spark that Jordan Addison would provide for Mac Jones, for that offense, that's something that I would really like to see. Well, I'd put it this way. If I'm in that division, I don't want to see Jordan Addison go to the Patriots. So that's how I know yeah. that it's something that makes sense, at least. Uh, you know, we'll, we'll see if Belichick would actually follow through with that. But um, And then with Quentin Johnson, uh, you know, it's like I, I said before. Say, it, would, it would give everybody in that division great receivers, by the way. Hey, yeah, why not? Uh, and it would make a lot of fun. I mean, it's, uh, it's a division that's becoming, you know, tougher to – to figure out, I mean, the Bills are still, I think, the the favorite. But you know, the with the way that the offense are coming on with that offense, the Jets are playing good football, and the Patriots are still Patriots. So it, that that makes it a lot of fun with Quentin Johnston and the Jaguars. You know, you just you watch Trevor Lawrence and how special he is, and how much better you think he can be. Uh, and it's just you know you want to surround him with the best talent available. And remember, they they did trade for Calvin Ridley, so they've got him in the mix next mm-hmm. year. Um, and you, but you think about they're just missing some size, uh, um, especially on the outside. Quentin Johnson can provide yeah. that for him, six four, two fifteen. But he's also you know going to run in the four fours. He's a really good athlete. So you think about Quentin Johnston, Calvin Ridley, Christian Kirk as your one through three. I think Zay Jones is still under contract technically. So Tra- Travis Etienne to catch the ball out of the backfield. Too. Yeah, exactly. And you know I think that you're you're looking at an offense that is ready to go. I mean it's ready to help your uh, your young quarterback, uh, you know, realize his potential. So, you know, it's, I, I don't necessarily, um, I don't love it just because, you know, it's again, it, trying to figure out how early those receivers are going to come off the board is kind of tough. Quentin Johnson has not had the most productive year. I think he only has five touchdowns. Um, he's been hurt. He's been banged up a lot with an ankle, but I think when teams get their eyes on him, especially at the combine and how well he moves at that size, the way he can track the football, I just I think there's a good chance he ends up as wide receiver one for a lot of these teams. Well, I also think he's been kind of targeted by opposing defenses because he is the biggest threat TCU has down the field. They 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 run the ball well and with their backs and and with Max Duggan. But if they want to really get down the field, Quentin Johnson is the scariest guy they have. So yeah, no doubt. I, I do think he gets outsized attention from defenses. And if you put him in an offense where he's got some other dynamic receivers around him, then all of a sudden he becomes that much more dangerous. One other receiver I wanted to, to mention, uh, you got Jackson Smith and Jigba in here at 29 to the Vikings, which would be patently unfair <laughs> to put him on the same field as Justin Jefferson. Right? Like, is this a case of like, well, Jamar Chase was drafted very high, but have we just forgotten how good Jackson Smith and Jigba is? Cause he hasn't played this year. Yeah. Well, and I think with Smith and Jigba, I, I think he's, 
he's going to be looked at as a slot only for a lot of teams, um, you know, because he's probably a four or five athlete. He's not a burner, um, you know, good size, but not great size. So I, a lot of his profile is perfect for the slot, but not necessarily on the outside. And so that's something that could hurt him a little bit. You know, missing, it's basically a lost season for him, which is a bummer, uh, you know, for Ohio State and for Smith and Jigba. But, I mean, he's still a player that should be in that late first-round mix, early second-round mix. And I, when you look at the Vikings, that Adam Thielen contract's a little a little tricky, but they could clearly use an upgrade over Thielen. And, you know, he's like 32 years old now. Um, yeah. If you just trade those two, you you put uh, Smith and Jigba in that Thielen role, man, they're ready to cook. That, that'd be uh, Kevin O'Connell. It's not, that, it's that not would fair. Be, no, that, that would be the offense that Kevin O'Connell wants to run. That that's you know yeah. it, 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 that would be a lot of fun to see uh, play out, and you know it's Kirk Cousins. Uh, you know he wants to see it. I, I I can I can guarantee you that it'd be uh it, it'd be a fun match uh, if it ends up happening. Well, speaking of fun matches, I'll go in your mock one pick after that. Yeah, you got Jalen Hyatt going to the Chiefs. You got essentially yeah. Patrick Mahomes getting his new Tyree kill if that happens. <laughs> Yeah, and you think, you know, they basically have, you know, one of their big free agent signings last year was Marquise Valdez-Scantling. I, I don't know that he's necessarily lived up to what they thought he'd be. I think they have an out after this year uh, to get out of that contract. Uh, but Jalen Hyatt just, you know, put him in that role. And uh, he would be that vertical threat, that that true deep threat that, yeah. uh, you know, you know Patrick Mahomes and Andy Reid want on that offense help open up the entire offense. Jalen Hyatt with that speed, with his hands uh, and tracking skills down the field, man, that's, again, uh, that's the type of, you know, when if that pick happened, you know if you're Denver, the Chargers, or the Raiders, you're looking at that saying, crap. Like, I mean, it's just, or or the Bills. I mean, you're you're not, you do not want to see that happen. I want to backtrack a little because it's unfair to call him their next Tyree kill. Jalen Hyatt, to this point, is not, proven that he can be what Tyreek Hill. Now remember Tyreek Hill only had one real year in college as well, but Mm -hmm. in Hyatt has only had one very productive year in college. I don't know that we've seen the willingness to, to deal with contact that Tyreek Hill has from Jalen Hyatt. I think that that would be the key difference. He has to develop that if he wants to really ascend to that level. But in terms of a take the top off a defense guy in that offense, you're right. It would terrify the rest of the division. Right. He he doesn't have uh, uh, Tyreek's you know agility and suddenness to make guys miss. And uh, I mean, no one does. I mean, Tyreek Hill is a, a complete uh, you know unicorn. But Hyatt with yeah with that track speed, uh, you know he he should run in the low four threes, maybe the high four twos in the forty. Um, and you know the but the tracking skills downfield that's that's a big part of it too. So I think. Uh, if he's available there, uh, it'd be tough for the Chiefs to pass on a on a weapon like that. Uh, it's it, it is it's so much fun to think about, and that's what I, I like. I like it when you get really diabolical with these, and <laughs> and that that one's yeah. about as diabolical as it gets. Uh, Again, if I'm, old- I, a, a lot of times I look at this as okay, if I'm one of these other teams in the division, who do I not want to go here? You know, and right. I. I re- I believe in strengthening your strengths. You know, if you're really good mm-hmm. in this area, keep building on it. Keep adding those yeah. weapons. Keep doing that. Whether it's, uh, you know, if you're a team that it's, you know, really strong in the defensive line. If you're a team that's, uh, you know, and, you know, a good example of that is with the Eagles, another team with two first round picks. 
one of those being the number six overall pick right now, uh, which belongs to New Orleans. I've got them taking Brian Brzee, uh, who, uh, you know, would <laughs> not, be <laughs> defensive fair. tackles back-to-back years. Jordan Davis last year, uh, Brzee this year. I mean, you think about uh, what that defensive front could be. I mean, it's Howie Roseman's dream. You know, you know he yeah. wants to draft defensive so line. So basically, you know he, you're, pu- you're playing Jordan Davis 23 snaps a game, and, and then Brian right. comes in and, and plays the other 40. I don't know what well, you're and, doing against that team. I mean, <laughs> and then you put him on the field at the same time, and you're yeah. – good luck. And, and, and Brzee is a guy that uh, – Keep saying I keep saying it differently. I'm pretty sure it's Brzee. We'll go with Brzee. Brzee, Brzee, yeah. yeah. He's he's a guy that could he could play inside, could play outside. He could give you those mm-hmm. snaps uh, at different points, uh, uh, parts of the uh, the defensive line because he is such a, a a gifted player. He's right around 300 pounds, but he moves really well. He's a really coordinated yeah. athlete. He's explosive, power in his hands. So um, yeah, I, I think that when you think about the intangibles and the traits, uh, he would be a really good fit for the Eagles there at number six. Yeah, you want to go odd front look, Jordan Davis at nose, and then and then Brian at uh, at four eye, and <laughs> don't yeah. don't like that. <laughs> don't like no. blocking that. Building a portfolio with Fidelity Basket Portfolios is kind of like making a sandwich. It's as simple as picking your stocks and ETFs, sort of like your meats and other topics, and managing it as one big, juicy investment. Mmm, now that's pretty good. Learn more at fidelity.com slash baskets. Investing involves risk, including risk of loss. Fidelity Brokerage Services, LLC. Member NYSC SIPC. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. We have yet to talk about the offensive linemen. This is not a, yep. a, a ton of offensive linemen in, in your first round mock. You've got you've got three offensive tackles. Uh, the first one you have off the board is Paris Johnson, the, the left tackle from Ohio State. Uh, Peter Skaronsky, the left tackle from Northwestern, who has has kind of been slotted into this spot for you know a year or two now. It feels like, and mm-hmm. then also uh, Broderick Jones, the, the offensive tackle from Georgia. So, what was it about? about Johnson that makes you think he's the the first one off the board. Yeah. And, and again, that, that uh, Olu uh, Fashinu going back to school, that, that plays a big part in this. Um, Cause I thought he was yep. the clear top offensive lineman period in this draft. And so um, now I, I would put, you know, at this point with what we know, it's still November, uh, early December with what we know right now, you know, my bet would be Paris Johnson being that first offensive lineman off the field. He's just so gifted for a big man. And his issues are, they're all fixable. You know, they're, they're due to inexperience, um, not inability. And, you know, this is his first year as a starter at left tackle at the college level. Played at, he's playing at a high level. Um, you know, he's had a few hiccups here or there, but he's, he's playing at a high level. Uh, the, the pick that's interesting in this mock is Skaronsky, um going to the Texans at number 10. Again, you know, at number one, they take an outlier. Uh, with yep. uh, with Bryce Young at number ten, they're basically doing the same thing with Skaronsky, who uh, 
you know, does not have the length that you want to tackle. But when you think about, okay, I mentioned Nick Casario joins the Patriots in 2001. You know who else joined the Patriots in 2001? Matt Light, who they drafted <laughs> in the second round out of Purdue. Not a long arm guy, but he was their left tackle for, uh, you know, like 11 years. They won like three Super Bowls uh, with Matt Light, and he was a big part of that. So, you know, Nick Casario knows, uh, you know, uh, what it's like to win with a, a player like that. Skaronski, for w- what he doesn't have in terms of arm length, he makes up with the way he processes the quick feet, his uh, technical approach so he can get into position and stay in position. So he's just a darn good football player who, and even if he doesn't stay at tackle long-term, you move him inside, you move him to right tackle. I mean, you you want to strengthen that offensive line for whoever is at quarterback. They drafted uh, Kenyon Green in the first round last year. Uh, Laramie Tunsil is not going to be uh, in Houston. For, I think he's going to be entering the final year of his deal next year. Right. Uh, you know, who knows? He could be a, a trade uh, a trade piece at some point uh, this offseason, maybe on draft weekend. So that Wait, somebody line... might use Laramie Tunsil to get draft picks. No. <laughs> yeah. yeah, exactly. Uh, so this, it's, it, I feel like the offensive lines in flux, you know, it's, uh, it's something that the Houston's trying to figure out right now. And Skronsky, um, you know, would not be a bad place to start uh, if they want to do it in this draft. Only one back in your first round mock. And it's, it's B. John Robinson from Texas. Who I think, well, you know, two. for those who, oh, did, did I miss one? Oh, who did I miss? Where, where, where's the other one? Last pick. Oh, Jameer Gibbs. Ah, yes. Yeah. Alabama's leading receiver makes it hard. That that <laughs> this would threw me. Right. <laughs> no, right, no. You right, do, so right. you do have two. Okay. Uh, yeah. Both of these guys give you something when you hand off, something when you throw to them, but Bijan feels like a different level than any, any other back that could possibly be in this draft or the next draft, or maybe even the next draft. Uh, still, how do you do the, the cost benefit analysis of a first round back? Yeah. And that's, that's a, obviously a part of this. And, you know, B. John Robinson, you can make the case as a top 10, maybe even top five talent in this class, but he's not going to go that high. And when you're doing a mock like this, it really puts it in perspective because you're going team by team and the first 20 teams in this mock, I just, there's no, I, I, there's no way I could see them taking a running back. Um, at least how, what we know right now. Now, if somehow, you know, the, a team, you know, if stay like Saquon Barkley go for the Giants or, you know, who knows how that'll all play out. But um, it's just, it's hard to find a team that's like, okay, yeah, that makes sense for them to address running back there in the top 20. So Robinson it might fall a little bit. It's definitely possible. And Baltimore currently picking at 21. You think about why they drafted J.K. Dobbins um, in the second round a couple years ago. Obviously, injuries have um, completely derailed his career, unfortunately. Uh, the Ravens don't feel like a team, like a front office that would necessarily go running back in the first round. But if you have a high enough grade on Bijan Robinson and you think about your offense um, and think about Bijan Robinson and Lamar Jackson in the same backfield, Ooh. that's a nightmare for defensive coordinators. So, and and you mentioned it, the way that uh, Bijan can help you in the passing game. Um, you know, yes, he's the vision, uh, the elusiveness, the balance as a, as a ball carrier, but his ability to not only run the running back route tree, but go out in the slot and run routes and be effective that way. That, that's a that's a game changer. That's something that can really uh, change your offense. And so, uh, you know, even though I don't love the Ravens addressing running back in the first round, it just might be one of those things where, hey, 
uh, can we pass on this guy? And honestly, yeah. it was the same thing with uh, with Jameer Gibbs at 31 to the Eagles. The, the Eagles have not drafted a, first, a running back in the first round since 1986. Uh, wow. It's been a long time. Okay, this is a team that just is a franchise that doesn't do it. But you look at it. Okay, the Eagles have two first round picks this year. This is their second mm-hmm. first rounder. Maybe do they buck the trend a little bit? Uh, Miles Sanders is set to hit free agency. Yeah. And again, you think about Jalen Hurts and Jameer Gibbs in that same backfield, what that could be. And Gibbs, I think, is a perfect fit for that offense uh, with that run game, what he provides in the passing game. You mentioned it, Alabama's leading receiver. Um, I mean, I just, I, it's one of those things where, you know, no, we don't usually go running back this early, but it's the last pick in the first round. We think about the possibilities with a guy like that. And all of a sudden, Jameer Gibbs doesn't seem so crazy to the Eagles there. Well, and I also think about everybody thought Etienne got overdrafted a couple of years ago. Mm. Mm-hmm. It may turn out that that was a good spot for him. That that right. that that would you know based on what he could produce in the Jags' offense going forward, that might have been a pretty good choice at that spot. I think it was twenty four overall. Yeah, so I think so. And, and and Gibbs gives you uh, Gibbs gives you a better pass catcher out of the backfield. I think Etienne's probably the better pure runner, better better vision. But they both give you a lot and a lot of things that you can do with them. There's another running because you, you've got a, a, some guys that kind of just missed the cut uh, at mm-hmm. the bottom that you sent. Devon A. Chain is really interesting to me from Texas A and M. I've watched this guy basically carry their offense all season. If you if you watched against LSU, it was a great win for them. He made it go, and he is so tough for his size, and he's he's legit track fast, but he is a football player. Like, and yeah. he can give you stuff in the return game. Like, this is a guy. I don't know if he could sneak into the first round because again, cost benefit analysis of a back in the first round. But my God, he's going to make somebody really happy. Especially after he runs that four two or four three, whatever right. it's going to be at the exactly. combine. I mean, it's. And it'll be interesting. What what does he weigh? Is he 185? Is he 195? I mean, he's just he he looks like a track athlete, but he plays like a football player. I mean, he he really does. He's he can string moves together. It's not just a speed guy out there. Um, you know, he'll follow his blocks. He does a really nice job. Uh, I, I thought ex- it, uh, as a receiver this year, he really added that to his game. Um, but yeah, he had over 200 yards rushing over the weekend and. Um, what I did in this mock draft, so the teams that are not currently picking the first round, they currently do not have a first round pick. Mm-hmm. I included their first pick. Um, so the Rams you gave the him Saints, to the, the Dolphins. Browns, Dolphins. Think you about gave that. Him to the Dolphins. <laughs> I, what, what, what did I say earlier about strengthening your strengths? How, yeah. I mean, you think about the, the philosophy with the Dolphins and everything they have going on there with. Uh, Tyreek Hill and Jalen. Uh, I mean, it would be so much fun. You add a chain to that mix, and good gosh! I mean, just if you're a defensive coordinator, I, good luck trying to cover all that speed yep. on the field. Oh, I I can't wait. I I cannot wait. But speaking of of speed on the field, I want to talk to you a little bit about these championship games this weekend because yep. I I think there there's a couple people that everybody's going to be watching, be it for you know, future NFL purposes or Heisman Trophy purposes. Uh, that Friday night game, we, we talked about Dalton Kincaid from Utah already, but USC and Utah, we mentioned Jordan Addison, who's in your mock. Caleb Williams for USC. I think he's going to lock down the Heisman Trophy this weekend if he hasn't already. But let's let's get people, because you, you've mentioned several times 
you're pretty sure the 2024 QB class is going to be better than 2023. You got Drake May from North Carolina and Caleb Williams from USC as a as a top two potentially. That's pretty scary. And I think you know Quinn Ewers is uh, has the ability to right. you know put Trace. himself in that conversation. JJ McCarthy, you think about what he could mm-hmm. be a year from now at Michigan. Um, and, you know, if Anthony Richardson goes back to school. So the quarterback class, look, I get it. Next year's class is always better. It, it, it gets talked about all the time. But it was true last year and it's true this year. And that's fine. And it, what's fascinating will be how do teams this year address quarterback knowing what's coming down the pike? You know, is that something where they look forward and say, you know what, we'll be patient this year. We'll wait for next year and see how it plays out. Um, you know, it, this week, earlier this week on the Colin Coward show, Sean Payton, uh, you know, now doing a year in the media. I mean, he'll jump back in uh, to it being a head coach at some point here, either next year or the year after, likely. Maybe with, but maybe with he, one of these QBs. Well, he, we know who his favorite is. He called Caleb Williams a generational prospect. He he uh, he was ready to go that far. I, I think I mean, Sean Payton, I think, understands the value of words and, you know, not being not just throwing stuff out there. I, I mean, he, he was very, uh, you know, poised with how he said it um and, and this is a player and he also mentioned it was interesting how uh Caleb Williams is the type of talent that could force the NFL to adopt a lottery system when it comes to the draft just like the NBA uh, so it's not as simple as you know cut and dry you have the worst pick you have the first pick uh or you have the worst record you have the first pick right it, it because of some of these quarterbacks uh if you know a, a team like the Texans you know they're trending towards that number one pick right now if they are all in on Bryce Young, you know, pulling starters or, you know, if it's, you know, the, another team's coming on their heels about taking the number one pick. So it's it's interesting, um, you know, that's and that's a separate discussion about the lottery and what that could mean. But yeah. Caleb Williams, I mean, I mean obviously it, it, it's and what he did, what he did against UCLA and then what he did uh, last weekend. I mean, that game was a, a ton of fun against Notre Dame. Um, I, it, it's, it, it's not just the you know, running around and, uh, you know, being instinctive in terms of from the pocket, outside the pocket, moving the pocket. It's some of these throws down the field, his uh, ability to really frustrate defenses with his legs yes. and his arm is it, just so much fun to watch. Well, and he's got that, that just kind of great athlete ability to change arm mm-hmm. slots. You know, I don't think he doesn't have the baseball background that Mahomes did, but he does seem to have a natural gift for understanding Okay, I'm. I may have to throw this in three quarters, or I may have to throw this from sidearm, because that's how I'm going to get it there. And it's a, it's it's just a. I hate to say it, it's it's just a, that natural athlete thing. Like you know that kid at your school that was the best at every sport, even if he'd never actually played it. Like that is what Caleb Williams is, and it's probably what Drake May is, honestly, because. You know, Drake May, if you put him on the basketball court, is going to dunk all over everybody. His older brother was a was an all ACC player at North Carolina in basketball. So like that, that's that's what we're talking about in terms of athleticism. And then you mentioned Anthony Richardson, too, who if he comes back to school, similar, you know, explosive athlete with a rocket arm like it's 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 a lot of traits. But but the, the thing with Williams and with May who, by the way, you get to watch Drake May against a really good Clemson defense. You also just got to watch Spencer Rattler against a really good Clemson defense. He had a terrible pick six, but the rest of the game, not so bad. Um, mm-hmm. You know, 
It, these are good athletes who are also really good quarterbacks. And that's and that's today's NFL game. And, and that's again going back to Stroud. That's one of the big questions. It's not that Stroud's a bad athlete. He's a good athlete, right. but he's, he's just not a not, freak of nature like these people. And, and and he just doesn't seem as comfortable, you know, using his athleticism. I mean, he can do it, but it's not. He would rather be a pocket passer. And there's nothing yeah. wrong with that. That's you know, you want guys that are pass first and are going to exhaust every single option before they go and try and create. But in the NFL, you have to be both. You have to be a passer and a creator. And C.J. Stroud right now is a proven passer and unproven as a creator, where I think we can you know, say that a guy like Caleb Williams is proven in both areas. So yeah. it's going back to the whole philosophical question with how teams are going to attack this draft, this quarterback class. It's something that we will be talking about the next six months um, yep. As we look forward, as we uh, look towards next year's draft, as you know, you, you look at some of the teams in the top 10 that could use a quarterback. The Lions need to figure out the quarterback for the future. They have two picks uh, in the top 15 picks. Um, you know, Carolina, possibly Seattle, as well as Geno Smith is playing. Maybe they see an opportunity to say, hey, you know, we don't want to be picking this early again. Let's maybe get our quarterback now. Um, you know, what will... Uh, uh, you know, what does Green Bay decide to do? Is Jordan yeah. Love a guy they're ready to move on? You know, the the Raiders with the with Carr maybe uh maybe being there, maybe not being there next year. Uh, you know, it's just there's a lot of question marks at quarterback with these teams picking in the top twelve, and that's why they're picking top twelve. And so how they attack quarterback in this draft, how they look, you know, they do their advanced scouting and look at the quarterbacks next year. That is going to be a big storyline for this draft. And I think that this mock draft shows that. All right. Last question before we go. This is a personal question, Dane. Okay. How much do you look at your Twitter mentions the day that a mock draft comes out? Um, between that and the comments on the mock, I, uh, I, I, I make sure I check it immediately just to make sure I didn't like have a mistake oh, or yeah I, I totally forgot this guy or you know so i do check it immediately just to make sure i didn't there wasn't something that flagged because these these readers are so good at that like they they find those so quickly so usually that pops up right away so i'll check it immediately and then i'll go work on something else take my mind off of it and then i, I do try to return to it just because um you know i i've spent a lot of time on this mock draft more than i care to more time that i care to admit putting time, just putting thought into each one. So I know I can defend every single pick in this mock draft. And so I will go back to it and kind of listen and, and hear why people, as much noise as there is, a lot of times people bring up good points. Like, hey, you know what? Uh, the the Eagles haven't drafted a running back since 1986. What are you doing? And, and, and you know, that's a fair point. It's a fair criticism about me having Jameer Gibbs there. So it, it, it does, there are a lot of times when, um, you know, they, they, a lot of these readers and, and things, they, they bring up good points that, you know, help me form opinions about the next mock draft and maybe the direction I go. So, no, it's definitely something that I look at and, you know, I, I don't take it personally because I, I, I go into this understanding. I, I hate all 32 teams. I'm trying yes. to make you, I'm trying to make you mad with your, my pick. So, yep. you know, I, I know that going in. Just be nice, everybody. Be constructive. Yeah. But be nice. That's all, that's Constructive. all it all takes. It's a good word. Yeah. yeah, exactly. Dane, this is gonna be fun. Can't wait to see how people react. Can't wait to watch these championship games and we will uh we will reconvene next week and talk about it all. Yeah, can't wait. This was the Athletic Football Show.